Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. again. Are we awake this morning? Welcome to Wheel of Hey, there we go. My name is Pastor Mikey. I'm going to be your host for Wheel of Fortune. Guys, can we can we go crazy? Can we make some noise for our contestant, Miss Norma Smallheiser? Norma is known for being the most stylish person at Renew Church. If you didn't know, you can stand, you can stand right here, Miss Norma. Miss Norma, how are you this morning? I'm just great. Just great. Awesome. Excellent. You know the rules, right? <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So there's going to be a phrase up there. You're going to have to guess what the phrase is, okay? But we're going to help you out a little bit, okay? So here's what's going to go on. The category is that it is a phrase, right? It's not a person. It's not anything like that. It's a phrase, okay? We're going to give you five consonants. You're going to do this right now? Yeah. I mean, we, we don't have that much time. We have to kind of... This is a church service. All right. Five consonants and one vowel, okay? We're going to give you that there. It's going to be the letter R, S... T, L, N, and E. But here's the thing. Because we're Christians and we're gracious, we're going to give you a little bit more help because of this abbreviated time, okay? So, yes, I know. I will, Miss Norma. I don't want to upset you, okay? All right. So, we're going to give you one more consonant, and we're going to allow you to choose one vowel, okay? So, that consonant is Y. Which vowel would you like to, to guess? All of them. <laughs> All of them. So that's not a... I. Hey, there's an I. All right, Miss Norma, so here's what's going to happen. You're going to have 10 seconds to guess the entire phrase. Are you ready? No. No. Well, I'm sorry. Time starts now. Norma, help is not the answer. I'm so sorry. It's actually accept responsibility. Guys, give it up for Miss Norma. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the service. was coming up to be Vanna White. Didn't you guys think that? Come on, let's give her a round of applause. 
What a beautiful, beautiful lady, inside and out, Miss Norma. Good job. I'm sorry you didn't get the answer right, but hey, that was that was a really good try. Responsibility was was correct. Well, hey, welcome to Games People Play. My name is Pastor Trevor, and uh, man, I'm glad that you guys have been here the last few weeks as we've been playing some Family Feud and some Jeopardy, and I don't know what we got next week, but you don't want to miss next week. If you're a guest today, there's a connection card on your chair. We'd ask you to fill that out, or if you're online, that you would just take a moment and fill that out. That, that card is um, on the, the link, and you can fill that out and give us, give us that information, and then you can drop it in a box or a bucket on your way out. We would love to hear from you and be able to connect with you. Well, let's get straight into the word today. We're going to start with the text. Before I even get into my, my uh, opener, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the text. All right, so Genesis chapter 2 is where we'll start, and it starts like this. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. All right? So that's, that's the word for today. God bless you. You're just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, in Genesis 2, 25, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband and who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he, walked in the, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because that I commanded you, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that your word would speak to hearts and lives, that again, we would be present in this place to hear your word, what it is you want to say to us personally and specifically. God, may we just be able to to know and, and discern what it is you want to do in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All the God's people said, amen. amen, amen. Well, hey, welcome again to Games People Play. Games People Play is a sermon on how to win in relationships. And it's not, if you haven't figured this out by now, it's not about fixing others, it's about fixing yourself. Last week we talked about the excuses game. And, and I, I don't know how many times I said this over the last week, but I said it Many times, some of them out loud and some of them in my head, and, and, and I said things like this. Uh, this was kind of the key thought for last week's message. You can either have results or excuses, but you can't have both. Anybody use that this week on your kid or your husband or wife or anybody? Nobody used it? Man, I gotta, maybe you all need a new preacher. If you all aren't taking anything away, come on. I want you all to start applying these things. Maybe you need to use it on yourself because you can either have results or excuses but you can't have both. Next week, you don't want to miss next week. Next week, we're going to play pretend. It's one of the games people play. And there's a lot of hypocrisy 
in relationships, aren't there? Isn't there? So we're going to deal with that as we talk about that in the final week in this series, Games People Play. The, the key verse for this series is Romans 12, and this is what it says, Romans 12 too. Don't conform to the pattern, or as I use this, this kind of like synonym for this, don't conform to the games of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you do that, when you stop playing games and, and, and conforming to the pattern of the game of the world, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So this week, we're going to be talking about a game that I like to call in relationships. It's, it's a game called the blame game. You guys ever heard of the blame game? You guys know about the blame game a little bit? Some of you do. Some of the older folks in the crowd have been like, yeah, we play it. We're, we're really good at it, especially him or her or whatever. So I have two daughters. Some of you already knew that. One's, in 11, one's 11 and the other's in 11th grade. It's funny how that worked. When, when the one was 10, the other was in 10th grade, 9, 9th grade. It was so easy to always know one's age and one's grade. I never know one of them's grade and I, know the other, I don't know the other one's age. But uh, I know that they're 11 and 11th grade right now. And they just got out of the stage where usually if one is laughing... The other is crying. Does anybody relate to that? Does anybody have kids and they can relate to that? Like most of the time, the one that is crying is the little one, and the one that is laughing is the, the bigger one. Usually the solution involves the little one then going to mom, and then mom coming to dad, and then dad having to go and be the bad guy in the, in the situation, the circumstance. And this thing was something that happened like literally for a stage in their life almost every day if not every day like five times a week though for sure like they would give me weekends off but like literally a lot they were doing this kind of thing the older one would get tattled on by the little one and the older one's response was almost always this I don't know if you guys have ever heard this it's not my fault it's not my fault but she said it so often and so much that literally she she stopped saying it in in like five words, or it's not my four words, she said it in, like, she put it all together, like it was one just conjugated word, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, and I would, I would kind of like mock her a little bit for a season, and I probably shouldn't add it as her dad, but I was like, stop saying it's not my fault, whose fault is it then, I don't know, but it's not my fault, sometimes, somehow, it even became my fault, it wasn't her fault, it was my fault. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been in that position? If not, your kids are better than mine, I guess. But um, you ever been in that place where it's not your fault? In fact, it's everyone else's fault but yours? Anybody ever said that or thought that? This sort of describes some of the characteristics of the victim mentality. The victim mentality where oftentimes what, what comes with victim mentality is, is these things. We don't accept responsibility. We don't accept blame. We hold grudges. We don't forgive. We can't move on. We trust no one. And, and when it gets to whose fault it is, it's not my fault. It's everyone else's, but it's definitely not mine. In the case of our text from today that I just read, and we'll kind of go back to, this is kind of the, the, the theme of this Genesis chapter 3, which is the devil made me do it. Anybody ever heard that? The devil made me do it. So here's, here's a summary of what happened in the creation account there in the fall uh, of man. God creates man. He creates Adam. 
Adam has dominion over everything, and, and there's literally no pain, no death, no sorrow. There's fruit always and everywhere, in every season. I mean, like, the fruit are always, trees are always bearing fruit. There's animals, and they talk. Some even think, like, all the animals talk, not just the serpents and the parrots, but parrots, but, like, everything is talking. I don't, I don't have any theological backing for that, but, like, like, it was just a different day and a different time in the garden. God shows Adam this tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he says, don't eat of it. Then he creates Eve. And he he gives Adam this this helper. and, And he says, this is how we're going to procreate the earth. This is how life will continue is when man and woman come together and they become one. And Eve is the helper. And they together have dominion over everything. And then the snake slithers onto the scene encounters a, a, a Eve, the, the woman, and he says this, did God really say, did God really say like, ah, he didn't say that, Eve? And all of a sudden she takes a bite out of the apple. Then she gives it to Adam. And I, I've always wondered this as I've thought about it, and even studying again this week, like, Where was Adam anyway? Like, did he run to the gas station? Like, what was he doing at the time when Eve and the serpent were together? Honestly, I think he was standing right there. I don't think like he was like on an errand or anything. They didn't have a lot of errands to do in the garden. No, um, I think he was right there. But somehow he, the, the serpent tempts Eve and then Eve then offers the the apple to to Adam after she takes a bite. And all of a sudden, their eyes are open. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, they make the very first set of plant pants. That's the the first manufacturing of of these, you know, fig leaf clothing line. And they're then playing hide and seek. It's another game that people play. And, And God is saying, where are you? As if he doesn't know where they are. And they go from what I said in Genesis chapter 2, the very last verse in Genesis 2, which is they're naked and not ashamed to they're naked and afraid. They go from naked and not ashamed to naked and afraid, and then from naked and afraid to clothed and cursed. They go from naked and not ashamed to naked and afraid, and finally to clothed and cursed. You see, sin gets to the man through the woman. So what do we have left? in this we have an apple with a with a bite out of it and because of that you can see things you have never seen before it's as if like they can see a little more clearly do you guys remember like they, they had a sharper image do you guys remember sharper image anybody remember the store sharper image it was a store i used to love to go to i never bought anything in there but i would love to like look and touch and and play with the things in there. Sharper Image was this, this place that had all kinds of the coolest gadgets you could ever see. One of which was this crazy video phone. Where literally for like only like $4,000, you could buy this video phone. And if somebody else bought one for $4,000, you could be across the city or across the world. And you could talk to them. It was amazing. They had a Sharper Image. They didn't just hear them, but they saw them. Is that mind-blowing? If you're under 20, you're like, that's not very cool at all. <laughs> you see, Sharper Image in the mall, it went away, and then they, got, they, they replaced Sharper Images with this other place. What is that? Do you have it? I don't know. Do you have it? That one? You guys know about that? 
And all of a sudden, instead of $4,000 for a sharper image, it's like 40 bucks a month for, for an Apple phone, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, you see even more clearly. So today, I want to preach against app. No, I'm just kidding, because I have like nine Mac products in my house and between all the things that we use. We're like Mac people. I'm just kidding. But I, I bring up a point that somehow, in some way, they had a sharper image and they began to see even more clearly and uh, it has really nothing to do with my message. I just really thought that was interesting. Isn't that an interesting logo thing that the, the logo helps you see more clearly? Anyway, all right. You can, you can take it for what it is. Genesis 3, verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, and he says to the man, Where are you? He answered. And, and, and he asked, and, and the man answers, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man says, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. I don't know if you heard this a little bit, but the blame game kind of like it falls on the woman, but it also is the woman you put here. So it's also on God. Like the first man blames his partner, but he also blames God. As if Adam is somewhat blaming God and Eve, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So then the, the, the serpent, the devil, deceives her. Blame is what we do. Blame is part of who we are. I mean, we are professionals at it. We, we are, 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 are just veterans at the blame game. And we have this tendency to do what I call, what is, what is sometimes considered selective memory, to remember the bad that everyone else does and forget our own responsibility in the negative thing that has been done. If you want to win at relationships, you've got to stop playing this game. You've got to stop playing the blame game. Stop shucking, stop shirking, stop skirting, stop doing all of these things as it relates to responsibility and begin to own up to the things in your life that you need to do. This, this message actually is kind of a part two to the excuses game, but I felt like it needed to be preached separately because oftentimes we don't just make excuses, we pass blame. Oftentimes, you know, it starts with excuses, but then it's like, let me start pointing blame. And that leads to my first point. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, you have a worship guide, and this is one of the notes there. The first thing you got to do when it comes to winning at relationships is stop pointing the finger. Stop pointing the finger because as the old saying goes every time you do there are three fingers pointing back at you i know that it's easy to point the finger it's easy to call out other people and the things that they've done and and say it's their fault or it's his fault or it's even his fault that i'm in this position that i'm in but if you want to win at life and you want to win in relationships stop pointing the finger the second part is this accept responsibility as Norma helped us to figure out, you've got to learn how to accept responsibility. You could have done what you know you should have done, however you opted to take the bite. And if you want to win at relationships, consider the part you play in whatever wrong thing that is happening. You see, we have to learn how to accept responsibility. We want to win at life and win in relationships over the past couple of years, I've watched as my own 16-year-old, the one that, that's in 11th grade, I've, I've watched her mature. And she's not the same little girl that she was in middle school that, 
that would sometimes when she was eighth grade and her sister was eight, uh, she, she's not the one that's saying, it's not my fault all the time. She doesn't use that phrase nearly as much as she ever did. Now, don't get me wrong. She still does from time to time. But she's taking responsibility even when it's only a small part for the wrong that was done. And because of that, because of who she is and because of what she's doing, because she's stopping the pointing thing and she's accepting more responsibility, all of a sudden in my house, with me as her dad, she's getting more freedoms. She's having more privileges. She's, she's having more opportunities. All of a sudden, I trust her more. And I know that she does right, not only when she's in front of me, but also when I'm, when I'm nowhere to be found. Because she is accepting responsibility, she has more freedom. Does that make sense? I don't know if you can apply this to you. This isn't just for 16-year-old girls. This is for 56-year-old men. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? That if you learn how to accept responsibility and stop blaming, blaming others, playing the blame game, man, you're going to have favor with the people in your life, but also with God. Because of the things that you've done, all of a sudden God's saying, you know what, let me see, what, let me see how this person does and let me see how this person grows in this matter or if they can handle more responsibility. That same thing has happened in my, my daughter. It's even happening in my life. I believe that God has blessed me and given me favor and given me opportunities in the things that I've done because I'm, I'm growing and I'm maturing as a believer and a follower. I'm not making the excuses that I made. I'm not passing the blame that I, I passed because those people, they continue to stay right where they are their entire life, doing the same thing they've always done. It's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and accepting, expecting a different outcome. It doesn't happen. But when you start changing, accepting your responsibility, your part to play in these things, wow, freedoms go up. Privileges goes up. Favor goes up. Like opportunities arise. Things you would have never thought you would have had. So stop pointing the finger. Accept responsibility. And point number three, it's the opposite of the blame game. And it's when you stop pointing the finger and, and you start accepting responsibility. It's these two words that have saved relationships. Not just relationships, but families. Entire families. These are words that are not heard when people are puffed up and full of pride. But they can be heard when someone wants to restore a relationship. It's heard when people are not pointing the finger and, and they're trying to find healing. Does anybody know what those two words are? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you want to win at the blame game, stop pointing the finger. Stop. Start accepting responsibility and say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I know how hard that is to say oftentimes, especially when it comes to relationships and those people that you love, those people you care about, those people that, that, that you have invested your life into. You know, it's, it's like uh, I've talked about this in our, our, my CR group, my Celebrate Recovery group. Um, I'm allowed to say I'm in a CR group, right? Right? Uh, sponsors. <laughs> In my, in my CR group, like, we talk about this, and we talk about the fact that there's, there's people that uh, we don't really care that much about them. Like, we love them, and, you know, like, Christ loves them, right? But we don't care that much how they feel about us. But the ones we care the most about, the ones we love the most, man, they're the ones that they can really hurt us. 
they can really bring damage on us. Those are the ones that I'm saying you've got to learn how to say sorry to. Those are the ones you're going to have to learn how to say, man, I, I, I was wrong. And not I was wrong, but you need to. Not I was wrong, but it's your. It's just, I'm sorry. If you want to win at relationships, use those two words in your conversations. Use those two words as it relates to those people that you love the most and that you care for the most. Stop blaming everyone else. And here's your fourth and final point. I hope you're taking notes. Just blame Jesus. Just blame Jesus. Pastor, what are you talking about? Just blame Jesus. You just said don't pass blame. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's leave this up there for a second and just kind of like look at that for a second. God made him, him being Christ, the one and only, the spotless lamb of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Where in that verse is the action statement of what we did? It's not there. It's not there. It's everything that God did through his son, Jesus. Making him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God of God. I'm challenging you. If you want to blame somebody, blame Jesus. Romans chapter 5 is another corresponding text to the, the, that, that goes along well with the creation account. The Apostle Paul is writing to the, the church in, Romans, uh, in Rome, and, and he's writing to these people, and he's saying, uh, he's describing this, if you, if you read the subheading and you, you get into it a little bit, he's, he's describing the description of, of, of what happened in the creation with Adam, and he's corresponding it to what happened with Christ. And I'm just going to, I'm going to pull some of the verses from it, and I don't think we have it on the screen, but this is what it says. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that one man was Adam, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin. Verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass, speaking of that sin. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, because that's what happened, that's that original sin, we've inherited it, it's, it's caused us to be this depraved people that we are, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin, and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Let me give you this, Romans 5, 18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, that one bite, that one step, that one disobedience of God resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life 
before all people. In other words, it was the one thing that was done that, that has been passed on to all of us. We in, have inherited this sin nature. It's part of our theology. It's what we believe. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody, not one, is perfect. Every single one of us and every person that has ever lived except for Christ alone. It's what we've inherited. But that same thing that was passed on to us can be forgiven because of the one act, the one thing that was done through the only one that could do it, which was the Son of God, Jesus Christ. This is a note that uh, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, you would write it in the bottom because this came to me just even last night after everything was printed and everything was done. But sometimes the Lord just does that and we're not reprinting later on. But I want you to take this note. I want you to think about this. Jesus exchanged the superfice for the sacrifice. I want you to write that down and I want you to, you know, ponder this for a minute. Jesus exchanged the superfice for the sacrifice. Trevor, superfice isn't even a word. Well, I looked it up. It's like an old English word. I don't think anybody ever uses superfice as a word, but it, we know the word superficial, right? We've heard the word superficial. Jesus exchanged the superfice for the sacrifice. Let me take you back to Genesis for one more second. Genesis chapter 3. So they're, they get a sharper image. They take a bite. They get a sharper image. They take a bite of the apple. They can see clearly now, and all of a sudden they realize that they're naked they're naked and afraid. So they make these plant pants, right? It's Genesis 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. This was, this was the way that it was done because their eyes were open because of the sin that they committed. But if you, if you go to Genesis 3, 21, same chapter, Verse three, verse chapter three, verse twenty-one. It says, after after they're cursed and and, and uh, put out of the garden, and all of a sudden, like all of the, the the privilege of what they had has been taken away, and now they have to work, and there's pain and childbirth and all those things. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. I want you to hear this. They they had this superficial covering. When, when their eyes were first opened, they got these leaves and they put them over themselves to cover themselves. But those that, that stuff shrivels up. That stuff goes away. That deteriorates, right? And so all of a sudden, like, they, they, they're, they're constantly having to, like, re-put re clothes on. You know what I'm saying? So what's God do? God takes this animal, it says, and he made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. In other words, he gives them a more permanent covering. What does that mean, Trevor? Why are you saying that? Because Jesus exchanged the superfice with a sacrifice. That little temporary covering, that little thing that they put over themselves, it wasn't really going to do enough. So what does Jesus do? Jesus becomes the ultimate sacrifice. It's the total final covering. It's more than just, yeah, something had to die. In Genesis 3, something had to die. Because of their sin, they had to kill an animal, and they had never killed an animal. They had to kill an animal to cover over their sin. But get this. 
The sacrifice of Christ, the death on the cross, it's the eternal and final permanent covering for all of our sin. It's no longer superficial. It's no longer temporary. It's no longer fading away because of what Jesus did, because of his death. That sacrifice was the great exchange for each and every one of us. to make that exchange? Are you prepared to stop blaming everybody else? Are you prepared to accept responsibility? Are you prepared to say, I'm sorry? Because if you're not, why are you here? I, I want so bad for you to experience healthy and strong relationships. But you've got to do these things. But the greatest thing that you've got to do is blame Jesus. Put your sin, put your brokenness, put your, the, the things you've done, put it on the sacrifice that is for all time, for all mankind. Put it on Jesus for a permanent covering, for a final covering. Allow him to be Lord of your life total control of everything you have, everything you do, including those relationships. Would you stand with me this morning? So funny, all the correlations, and I don't have time to talk about all of them, but all the correlations of the tree, going to the tree, and the tree of Calvary, eating from the fruit of the vine, drinking of, of that, that, that blood that was poured out, and that body that was broken, eating of that bread. And, and, and it's, it's the great exchange in so many ways. But it's your choice. He doesn't do it for you. He doesn't force you. I think that's why he put the tree there in the garden anyway. Because he wasn't just creating something to look at. He wanted relationship. If you don't get anything else, get this. Why did he do that? Why did he put it there? Because he doesn't just want a bunch of robots. He wants relationship. He wants you to choose him. He wants you to eat from that tree. He wants you to experience the great exchange. Stop the superficial. Stop the religious begin the relationship once and for all. You bow, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Oh God, I recognize that there are so many times that I blame others. I recognize that there are times that I blamed you for the things that have happened. I recognize there are times that I haven't accepted responsibility for my actions. And I know how hard it is sometimes to say sorry, especially to the ones that I love the most. 
here and now, God, I pray that you begin to do a work in our hearts. Change us from the inside out. Begin to make us that new creation that only comes through Jesus Christ, through the great exchange that happens because of the final sacrifice that he made. Here and now, oh God, we, we put all of the blame, we put all of our sin, all of our brokenness, all of our wrong, we put it at your feet. We ask that you take it. Help us, oh God, to surrender all of these things to you. To allow you to, to come in and begin to clean and make new and restore relationships, change lives. God, begin to do something in us that we can't do ourselves. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking around. This is just between you and God even for you that are online. God's speaking to you today. And you would say, Pastor, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to put all of these things, all of my hurts, my habits, my hang-ups, I want to put everything that I have, I want to put these things on Jesus for him to take them and make, make it, instead of just superficial, instead of just temporary, I want to make it final and complete. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm making that declaration. I see your hand in the back. Anybody else? Anybody else? Jesus, you know each and every heart. You know where they're at. You know what they need. And God, even as we begin this new start, this new work, even for, for just a few people in the room. God, we know that angels, a multitude of angels are rejoicing over one sinner that repents and turns and follows you. God, I pray that it would just be that complete surrender. It's a, it's a prayer that goes like this, and you can pray it in your heart even as I pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, I, I need you. I need your forgiveness of my sin. Thank you for dying for me. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Make me brand new. Help me to stop blaming other people. Help me to stop looking to, to everything else and just put my eyes on you. God is the author and the finisher of my faith. Help us, I pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning as we conclude with the final song, if God's speaking to you, if God wants, if, if you need to, to pray for any reason, there's ministers that would come behind you and pray over you and lay their hand on you and just pray with you. If you need prayer for any reason at all, for anything at all, I, I invite you to come as we sing and just allow God to work in your heart and your spirit. Let's sing together.
the irony of this song playing for our closeout song and the person who led it that song. It was kind of the, the theme song for camp last year. And camp's coming up again June 20th, and we believe in camp. I believe in camp. And if you need proof, like, look no further than this amazing young woman of God, Jasmine Lynch. Last year around camp time, Jasmine really wasn't going to, to youth group that much. She was newer to the church, a little bit shy. And just to get her to, to go to camp, it was like pulling teeth, praying, and she decided to go to camp, and she almost didn't go, literally. I think it was like the night before where you finally made the decision to go. She showed up, she went, made a ton of friends, knew that she wasn't alone, experienced Christ in a way that she, man, will never forget full week, just no distractions, no outside world, just Christ, believers coming together, pouring into students. And let me tell you something, this girl's life is changed. This girl came back not only having friends, not only having a, a youth group of family to believe in, but she leads our, our Misfit Youth Worship Team. She's there every single week, rain or shine. She supports everything that we do. She's here every Sunday. Like, camp changes lives. Camp changes lives. And so we're trying to, we're trying to send 50 people to camp, and we want to raise $15,000 to do so. People are like, wow, man, that's kind of high, don't you think? I don't think it's high enough. And I say that boldly. Because I believe in camp. I've seen what it does in the lives of students. We live in a world where I don't got to tell you. Teens need Jesus. Our teenagers need Jesus. They need an environment where there's going to be no influence but the Holy Spirit. They need an environment where they're going to be poured into by, by people who love them, who care for them. Who are discipling them, who are leading them into truth so that they can leave that place so that they can leave camp and bring that to everybody else around them. And that's what Jasmine has done. That's what so many other students who have gone to camp have done. They have become world changers, family changers for the name of Jesus Christ. And so 15 grand for 50 people, I, I say that boldly. And I think that the Lord is going to provide and we are going to do it. We just want to ask you guys to partner with us, to see if, 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 if you would be willing to, to help us make that happen. And so we're gonna, we have a bake sale outside. We'll be having some bake sales throughout the month and even a little bit in June. But our main thing, the thing that we want everybody to go to is going to be our talent show, which is on uh, June 3rd. It's a Friday night at 6.30 p.m. Our kids are putting on a talent show. It's completely them. Uh, they're going to be, there's also going to be like a dessert auction and an art auction, everything to raise funds so that we can send 50 people to camp. And so it's going to be run by the kids. So man, go bring, bring abuelo, abuela, cousin, everybody. And if you know of a student, of a teenager who needs to get to camp and finances is an issue, I'm telling you, it's not going to be an issue. 
That's what we're doing. We're trying to make sure that finances is not an issue for any teenager who needs to go to camp. And so I'd love if you guys can, can mark that date on your calendars, man, June 3rd. It's just going to be for a few hours. Our kids will really, really appreciate it, man. You might be able to change a kid's life because of your, your um, commitment to trying to get us there. So, again, man, just help us. Pray for us. Please pray. If, if anything, pray.